I say good afternoon to everyone. I'm so glad to be back. It's been four months since I have been traveling and uh, it was a fruitful uh, visit that I did to several churches. And uh, it was tire- quite tiring but uh, very rewarding uh, to see a lot of uh, people coming to Jesus and our brothers and sisters from different parts of the world or, I mean, Philippines, Middle East, are getting excited. And one of the interesting thing is that we still have a church in Syria, in Damascus. It's still thriving. It's very strange. <laughs> they just had their anniversary several months ago, last December. It was said that by Maricel, who is uh, a Filipina working with the U- Spanish embassy in Damascus. And so she's the one uh, uh, leading the church and most of them, our members, are from Africa, India, Arabs, who are part of the church. And Indeed, God has been so good to each and every one of us. It's nice to see familiar faces, lovely faces, and uh, some new faces. And may the Lord bless us all. I have been given the task to begin this series on the Gospel of Mark, uh, the, uh, the Gospel about Jesus Christ. And so, it is but fitting for us to begin our study by focusing on the Gospel of Jesus Christ according to Mark. Now, why Mark? Why Mark? We said that there's a four gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, there are some important reasons why we need to look at the gospel of Mark. First of all, it is the first written gospel. Between, uh, between John is the most latest, uh, but then uh, Matthew and Luke, are they say, is a, der- a derivation, or they also pattern a lot of things from the gospel of Mark. So it is the first written Gospel, And at that time, it was not written the way Matthew, Luke, and John wrote it. Because if you, if you try to recognize the writing of Matthew, Luke, especially John, there's a lot of commentary that goes on with the story. But with Mark, it's just like a no-comment news story. Are you familiar with Euronews? Euronews, there is that kind of uh, news wherein they just flash video people talking or acting and doing things, and there are no commentaries. The, the idea of that particular kind of newscasting is for you to decide what you see. They don't want to influence what you see. And somehow, this is the way Mark wrote it. If you notice, he did not write it uh, with much of theological uh, innuendos, but he just simply wants to present something that is factual, historical, story about a certain man called Jesus of Nazareth. There are no commentaries. It's just blah, 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 blah. It's like a, it's a compilation of stories that he himself had experienced and have heard perhaps, according to many scholars, from Peter. So he combined everything and perhaps to record it so that people keep on asking what is these followers of Jesus all about. So maybe this is just speculation. <laughs> maybe he decided to write it and so that instead of asking me here, read it. But the point of the matter is the Gospel of Mark does not really impose a lot of comments. He is not even trying to convince the reader. He is just presenting to the readers what he has seen and what he has heard. It's a very straightforward story. So that's why the, the, uh, uh, if you study the book Gospel of Mark, it 
there's a lot of mystery going on. There's a lot of fast action going on. And at the end of the story, it just simply say, it's for you to decide, actually. You discern what I told you about. And it's up to you to grasp it. Now, we will try to journey and understand the gospel according to Mark. Uh, and it's quite, quite tasking to do this. But I'll try my very best to present it to you in such a way that we would feel as if we are the original readers of the Gospel of Mark. It is as if we're not living here in the 21st century, but we're living somewhere around 60 AD. When, when we take grasp of this Gospel that is so raw and so pure, and start reading it, and trying to make a sense of what is this story all about, and perhaps at the end of reading, you make a decision. What do you make of this Jesus? And so to begin, I'd just like to focus on three important verses that, that Mark has used. The first one is in verse 1 of chapter 1. He introduced his story by saying, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now Mark, is, as I mentioned, is the first manuscript or written manuscript that tells us the story of Jesus. And uh, unlike today, we have photocopiers or scanners. You could distribute it very easily. But in those days, in order to reproduce it, you have to copy it yourself. But strangely, there are a lot of manuscripts about the Gospel of Mark. But many of those who were written later, copied later, does not seem to be the same as the oldest one. Because people start making commentaries. Just like us, you make footnotes on your Bible, on the things that you read. So later, later copies of the manuscripts of Mark, you would notice that there are some comments. But the most ancient ones are very simple and, and brief. And that one of them is this, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In later manuscript, it says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So in other words, who copied it, was already impressed that Jesus is the Son of God. But it just simply says, Mark says, this is the story of Jesus Christ. And then he made blah, blah, blah. And then in Mark chapter 1, 14 to 16, he made mention of this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So here, John, Mark is trying to tell us that this is good news is not my good news. This good news is Jesus' good news. It is as if Jesus is the one telling us about what he's going to do. Watch out my life and this will be the good news for everyone. Mark never comments. He always uses what people say in his story. And he, this is one of them. He's saying the good news is the good news is coming from Jesus. And then it goes on with the story, the many miracles, the many parables. And then at the end, the most important one is, at the end, it's an abrupt ending. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. So this is the last Part of the Gospel of Mark. The ending. It's very abrupt. He say, He is not here. 
see the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. That's a very strange way to close a story. <laughs> People are afraid. People are afraid. Now perhaps Mark was trying to tell us, he's trying to, to put a mystery in the mind of the reader. He's trying to convince people, or not really convince, but trying to tell them that if you really understand this story, you will not just take it for granted, but you have to think. Do you have to think, who is this particular person? And so what I did, I just tried to summarize on my own what I believed Mark was trying to say in this story. And I could say it, the bewildering good news story of Jesus according to Mark. Instead of good, it's good, but it is, how do you call it, perplexing, amazing, and mind-boggling story of Jesus. And this is what he basically is trying to say. Jesus of Nazareth, believed to be the Messiah and Son of God. So he's not saying, I believe it, but believed by the people as the Son of God and the Messiah, came to Galilee one day and, pro and Jerusalem, performed miracular, miraculous deeds, preached the coming of the kingdom of God, fought with authority and prophesied his own death and resurrection. But indeed, he was crucified, died, and yes, he indeed resurrected from the dead. End of the story. Very amazing. That's what he's saying. He throw you a lot of, uh, of, of, uh, of mysterious things and then he say, but you know what? Everything that he said happened. Now, bye-bye. <laughs> Try to think about it. That's, that's the sort of story of the Gospel of Mark. Now, remember also, Jesus lived for 33 and a half years. But, the recorded or part of his life is basically three and a half years. That's a very short time, isn't it? It's for three and a half years, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, turned the world upside down. And so whatever is written here, Mark is saying you cannot find it again. It is something. It's just like twinkling of an eye. For three and a half years, the whole of Jerusalem was, was perplexed and bewildered by a certain man. And then now he's gone. But this is what happened. Who is he to you now? So, let's go on the bewildering story of Jesus Christ according to Mark. Now, I try to summarize what we could find about the bewildering story of Jesus Christ. He presented actually Four important things that we need to think and see from the life of this Jesus of Nazareth. First of all, he's saying that through the life of this Jesus, when he came here, he displayed a power greater than any power that we have ever known. So these are the stories. This seems to be the implication of what he's trying to say. When he was here, he displayed or he possessed a power greater than any power seen and heard. The first of these he mentioned or in stories, several stories, he says 
You see, when Jesus was here, He displayed the power to forgive and destroy the curse of sin. Why is this a power? Well, because, you know, even the religious, even Judaism, the, the religion of Israel, the priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees cannot forgive your sin. They just proclaim that someone's sin has been forgiven. The only way to be forgiven is to offer a sacrifice whether God accepts it or not. In other words, there's no human being that ever, ever has the power to forgive sin committed against God. And the proof of sin in those days is any kind of disease or illness. It means you have sinned against God because God cursed you. Unlike today, we can have illness because you, you ate something that is bad, so you have a bad stomachache. But in those days, especially sins like or illness like leprosy, blindness, death, paralytic, inborn sickness, it is always concluded that God has cursed you. Or your forefather has sinned against you. And, and the Pharisees and the religious people cannot do anything against it, about it. But here is Jesus, all of a sudden. He keeps on healing the leper. He keeps on commanding the paralytic to walk. He keeps on giving sight to the blind. He keeps on bringing healing to the deaf. And all of a sudden, it simply follows he himself is God who is forgiving sin. Because they believe that those sins, those kind of illness is attached to the sin. So this is a power. Something that has never seen before. A person who forgives sin in behalf of God. What a great power. Another thing is, to modern times we don't believe, many people they do not believe in the demonics or in Satan. But in those days, they believe it. And again, the power of Satan is a power that nobody can touch, can overcome, even exorcism. They try to do it, but they are at the mercy of the demonic powers. But all of a sudden, when Jesus Christ came here, this Jesus of Nazareth, could you imagine he can command the devil to fly away? He has a power, power greater than Satan. So, he say, you see, this is what he has done. Now it's up to you to think what kind of person he is. How could he do that? And then another kind of power is the power to provide food. Power to provide food. As, as we know, food, food is something that we process in order we can eat. But we don't make food. We process food. Do you agree with me? We cannot make an apple grow or invent apple. But we wait for the apple to bear, to, for an apple tree to have apple and we eat it. We kill animals, process it, so that we can eat it. But we never make it. But all of a sudden, here is Jesus. In many occasions, several occasions, He fed 5,000, 4,000 people by the matter of His words. It is a power that is only attributed to God. That's what He was telling in all this story. This is a strange, you know, this is a strange fellow. If we could understand, Mark, this is a strange thing. My brother, I'm telling you, I have never seen such a man who could do that. Another thing is, 
He's got an authority over the storms. He calmed the storms. He walked in water and he even cursed a fig tree that it will never bear fruit and it did never bear fruit. It died down. In other words, he's a strange fellow. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who could this be? So that's what his story is talking about this day. And then, another strange thing about him, he can command dead people to rise. There were several occasions in the story of Mark that there is a dead daughter of a, of a certain woman and he commands this young girl to rise from the dead. Very strange, isn't it? That's what he's trying to tell in this particular. Another kind, it's not power, but he talks about wisdom. You know what? When Mark is basically writing, I have never seen anybody as wise as he is. I have never seen a wisdom greater than any human wisdom, except what Jesus has been telling us. How did he speak? He speaks in parable. You know, if even today, uh, a, a lot of uh, language or literature critic, when they look at the teachings of Jesus, the parables of Jesus, it is still very, very wonderful. I mean, it can, it can qualify for a very ingenious way of using a story. The parable of the sower, its meaning and the way it was delivered, it is amazing. The parable of the growing seed, the mustard seed, and many of the things that he say comes from a master storyteller that when you listen to it, you gain a lot of wisdom without him telling you what to believe. But by just the story, people's minds are awakened and listen to what he is saying. You listen to his discourses. He's saying, I have never seen the Pharisees humiliated and put to shame. The, the teachers of the law were put to shame when, when this Jesus talks about a lot of beautiful, a lot of practical things of life, like about children, about marriage and divorce, about what makes a person defiled. The Pharisees say, by what you touch. No, Jesus say, no, what you eat makes you defiled. No, it's not what you eat that you makes you defile it. What comes out of your heart? He talks about even taxes. He is so full of wisdom. And even when talk about the Sabbath, this is an amazing person. That's what he is trying. And of course, when he talk about the commandment, he just summarizes everything about life. Basically, Jesus is saying, it's not about your religion, but it is about loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's a powerful way. And, and here, Mark inserted a story called the Transfiguration. It's a very remote story wherein, maybe you are all familiar with that, that Jesus while standing on the mountain, all of a sudden, Elijah and Moses appeared. And then as they were, as Elijah was standing, and, Eli and Moses was standing, and Peter and the apostles were looking at it, there was a voice that says, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. The word listen to him. 
God's saying, let us listen to Him. That's what He was trying to say. Now what do we make of that? If we hear a voice from heaven saying, listen to Him. Mark refuses to make a comment. He just goes on with the story. That transfiguration. And another thing is, in the life of this Jesus of Nazareth, He describes and He showed to us a new way of life. A new way of what it is to be righteous. In our religious society, He said, to be righteous is to obey the law of the Pharisees. It is not to work on a Sabbath day. It is not to walk for a mile on a Sabbath day. To do this, to sacrifice, to do a lot of religious laws and obligations, this is to be righteous, to become like the Pharisees. But it's strangely enough, with Jesus, He showed us a new way to be right. And in fact, what He did, He showed graciousness to sinners who could never be righteous in the eyes of our religion. Isn't it today, when we talk about sinners, I don't want to classify people as sinners, but for the sake of discussion. When we talk about people who are not like us, who are committing evil things around us, we call them sinners. And we don't want to be with them because we think we are better. But Jesus, instead of trying to shy away from them, we cannot understand him telling you the story, he ate and dined with them. He ate with dying with them. He invited himself to be with them. With the simple, not the righteous Pharisees. No, the religious people will never do that. But what do you make out of this kind of attitude? Being with people. Being gracious to them. He showed unconditional forgiveness when he forgave those people with sickness. There was no condition. He just simply said, your sins are forgiven. And immediately they were healed. Oh, what a beautiful. Unlike the religious people, before, you are able, before, they, are able to for, before they forgive you, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to offer this sacrifice. But with this Jesus, He says, God forgive you, I forgive you, without any condition. And interestingly, he talks about love, but in a different way. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, one of the key verses of the Gospel of Mark is that when Jesus said, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and gave his life as a ransom to many. Jesus of Nazareth is trying to tell us what life is all about. Life is about serving, not being served. Life is, is about giving your life for someone and not asking someone to give his life for me. Isn't that strange? This Jesus of Nazareth is talking, maybe he's from another planet. Everyone is so serious here. <laughs> Maybe it's from that other planet. Could you imagine that? Is that life that I will serve you and I will not ask you to serve me? Is that life that I have to give my life serving you and not looking for you to serve me? That's an opposite to the way we live here on earth, isn't it? 
Here on earth, no. I live. I want to be on top so that people may serve me. I want to have much money so that in the Philippines, I will have three housemaids and people will serve me. I want to be the best. But he's talking about different things. God blesses you so that you may bless other people. Who is this Jesus of Nazareth? Death and resurrection. Now this is interesting in the story. You know what Mark is saying? Three times, three times, this Jesus of Nazareth said he's going to be killed. He predicted it three times. That I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be betrayed. And he, as you go in the story, it tells us, yes, his prophecy were true. He was killed. Another thing about his death, he faced a terrible death. Have you ever tried? It's one thing to die, but it is another thing to die a horrible death, which means you die because somebody you love betrayed you. You're dying and you see everyone abandoning you. That's horrible. That's horrible. And then, while everyone abandons you, remember the apostles, they ran away. He was betrayed by his own apostle, whom he had loved and ate and dined. And then, when everyone was running away, he is being insulted, mocked, being laughed at. And then, the pain of suffering. That's a horrible death. I mean, it's one thing to suffer physically in pain, but when you know that, when you know that everyone is mocking you, and you know that the people whom you, you want to be with you have turned their backs from you. And you know if somebody betrayed you while you are dying. That's difficult. I couldn't imagine the agony, not only in the physical, but in the mind. But you know what? He prophesied it. He knew it was coming. He knew it was coming. And the most interesting thing is, he indeed resurrected from the dead. So the question is, who is this man? You know, it's just like a video. No one is commenting, it's just telling you, showing you all these stories. And at the end of the day, you guessed. You guess who is this person. Another interesting thing about the Gospel of Mark is the abrupt ending of the Gospel. If you, if you have your Bible, you will notice it normally ends in Mark chapter 16. You know, and then, uh, I think it's up to verse 18. And then, in your, in your Bible, you say, some manuscripts do not have blah, 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 the rest of the verse. Now, do not get rattled with that and try to say the Bible is corrupt. No, it's not about. We are just being honest because there are so many manuscripts or write and copyrighted uh, material of Mark and they say, just simply saying the original or the most ancient they do not contain this later on the people who is making comment on it they put on it so it's still part of the scripture but since we would like to see what the original or the ancient people are trying to say we could make a conclusion that it immediately uh, end somewhere when it says that when the Mary and the company saw Jesus 
was gone, they were afraid, they were bewildered and amazed, and they were so afraid. That's the ending. Now, the, the abrupt ending of the gospel, I believe, it leads to a question that needs to be answered. And the question is basically our topic for the next two months. Who is Jesus? You may wonder, Pastor, you're supposed to tell us who is Jesus. Now you're giving us also a lot of problem to know who is Jesus. But that is the way Mark presented it. He makes us think about the powerful, the wisdom, and, and the many things that this Jesus Christ did. And at the end of the day, who do you think he is? Who do you think he is? People were overwhelmed and amazed, not only at the death, but Mark was saying that three and a half years of Jesus, he steered the whole of Galilee. Everything was turned upside down, and everyone was talking about him. Everyone was overwhelmed and, and amazed of this person. And the question of that day, at that time, who is he. Who is he? Well, the Pharisees says, they want, to, they want to conclude it. They basically ask him, are you the Messiah? But Jesus keeps on saying, this is what you said. But the Pharisees continue not to believe. They call him many names. So, who could this be? They say he's the Messiah. They ask him if he's the Messiah. He said, that's what you said. And also Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jew? So this question, Is Jesus the king of the Jew? Is he the Messiah? Again you notice the answer of Jesus is, It is what you said. So lalong, in Tagalog, lalong gumulo. No? He keeps on saying, It is what you said, who I am. Another thing is, the teachers of the law, the teachers of the law, what happened there? The teachers of the law accuse him of driving demons by Satan's power. They even accuse him of being demon possessed. In Mark chapter 5, verse 22, he was accused. So they accuse Jesus, these teachers of the law. They're not basically the Pharisees, but but they are teachers of the law who makes and who write and make addendum to the many laws already of Judaism. And they accuse him because of the exorcism that he does, the healing that he does. He says he does healing he does about demons because he is possessed by the demon. But interestingly, Mark made this story. In those stories, this is what he said. The teachers of the law called him possessed by the demons, but the demons <laughs> recognize him, and this is what they say, the Holy One of God. And the demons, and legions, one of the demons in Mark chapter 5, verse 6 says, Jesus, you are son of the Most High God. So the Pharisees say, he's demon possessed, but the demons themselves are saying, you are the son of the living God. So, who is this Jesus to you? So we end up, who is this Jesus? You know, this is very important for us because many times when we talk about Jesus, we want somebody to tell us, this is the way you must believe him. But I like the way Mark presented it because 
you have to encounter Jesus in all these stories and make up your mind and experience it. Because Jesus can be anything to any one of us. He could be the healer of your illness. He could be the miracle wonder maker in your life. He could be your teacher. He could be your counselor. He could be anything. He is your king. He could be your Messiah. That's why in this story, I am. That's what you said. And Jesus should be someone that we need to experience. Not just simply believe because the pastor or somebody told me, this is him. So we need a story like Mark's story because it opens an avenue for us without telling us how you should believe, but telling us, now you discern who is this man. And according to your discernment, believe it and live it. So who is this Jesus? Jesus Matthew, Mark ended, sorry, Mark ended the whole story before the resurrection. While Jesus was dying on the cross, and he was about to die, a centurion, somebody, came to him, and when he was about to die, or when he died actually, in Mark chapter 15, it was mentioned that the temple, or the veil of the temple was broken into two, and then, this particular text it says, the centurion exclaimed before Jesus died, Surely, this man was the Son of God. Now this is very strange because the affirmation of Jesus as the Son of God came from someone who is not religious, who is not a member of Judaism, who do not belong to the line of Moses. He was a warrior. He is pagan. He is a soldier. And I'm sure he has nothing to do with the religion. And yet, in the story of Mark, this proclamation comes from the most unexpected person. Surely this man was the Son of God. And he's telling this. You know what? Those people who were supposed to believe him, they did not believe him. And all of a sudden, this proclamation comes from somebody whom you least expect. A godless person saying, truly, this man was the Son of God. And then, the final ending, but this Jesus indeed resurrected from the dead. And he closed the story. Now this is powerful also because resurrection answers the destiny of humanity. You know, even until for us today, people ask, what will happen when we die? It's a million dollar question. People say, uh, there is heaven, there is hell. Some say, no, there is nothing. You will just die. You're like an animal. You die, period. Or some say that you have to do this or, or your spirit would go somewhere else. There was a lot of guessing game about the destiny of humanity after we die. But the resurrection in the story of Mark is trying to make 
a statement involuntarily. The resurrection of Jesus seems to answer our destiny. That after death, it's not the end. And then, curtain close. Who is this Jesus? Who is he to you? Now, in the same manner, there are many things that he has shown. He has a power greater than any power. He has wisdom than any other human wisdom. He prophesied his death. He has authority in many things. He resurrected from the dead. The question is, what do you make of it? It's our ball game to absorb the story of Jesus and become part of it and make that story be part of our lives. That we, even as we move on with our lives, we may say, I am not a religious person, but one thing I know, that there was a story that made my life today. Who is he to you? The good news of Jesus Christ according to Mark.